Fifty Stage of Terror may include descriptions and discussions unsuitable for young audiences. Episodes may contain adult themes, language, and content. Listener discretion is advised. Para sa mahal na ina at ama ko. Dear mom and dad, Kumusta na? I'm excited for you two to come here and stay. I think that it's better to leave Sarangani and live with me. Miss na poko kayo. Wala akong maraming friends dito sa Amerika. I did meet this girl named Clara. And I really think you'd like her, Ama. I can talk about everything, even about the monsters back home. More importantly, kailangan ko ng tulong mo with a problem that I'm having. I think the wakwak followed me here from home. The manananggal is also back. I thought we killed this creature in our last hunt together, but it made it here. And what's worse, she's my neighbor. This woman even married the man next door quickly and I noticed the man started to look sick. Diba mas mabuti ang aswang kaysa sa isang magnanakaw? I see all the signs and I think the aswang knows we hunt them. I will pick you up from the airport and we can get to work quickly. The people here in America do not know how dangerous and scary this vampire can be. Mga kapatid ko will soon make it here too. Mahal kita. Andres. This is Arizona, the Aswang. Hi, and welcome back to 50 States of Terror. I'm Anthony. And I'm Kaylee. Thank you all for, for listening uh, as we jump into Arizona. We were fortunate enough this week to have a friend of ours, Chris, be able to read our story this week. And Chris actually grew up in the Philippines until he was 15. So we actually got to get some firsthand experience, um, some firsthand knowledge on our cryptid this week, because our cryptid isn't from the U.S., but has found itself a home here. So you might be wondering, why are we going to be talking about the Philippines if our state is Arizona? Well, something that I didn't know going into this project this week is that Arizona actually has a really high Filipino immigration population. and that brings all of those stories and all of those cultures here. But what really caught our attention was this picture that we found. And it's actually caught the attention of monster hunters as well. And there's TV shows that have gone looking for it. But it's not quite as grainy as some of the ones we've seen. It's very, very distinctly a flying creature in the air with a large wide wingspan. But it really only looks like the upper half of a body, like it's kind of missing something. And that's a feature that we're going to talk about a little bit later that is very specific to the Aswang and hence started this lore mythos rumor mill of this cryptid living in our very own Arizona. Yeah. And the reason why we chose this one is it's the most interesting one they had. And Arizona has a couple of bleeders that come from different states. So this one stood out and, you know, we decided, well, if, you know, if it is an Arizona cryptid and it just happened to be traced back to the Philippines where it, it, uh, the legend or the cryptid started, then let's just go ahead and, and go for it. Let's, and let's dive right in. This is one of those ones that you can trace back for a very, very long time ago. And, and it's one of those things that brings joy to the, the inner researcher in me. <laughs> so we heard it called by a couple names in the story. 
We heard it called a walk walk. And then we also heard it called uh, Maranagal. That one was difficult for me to try and say. So thank you for saving me. <laughs> Regardless of all the different names, because we even have some more that we're going to share, it's always known as the Aswang. The Aswang is a general term, but it's used to describe five distinct types of spirits. Now we're going to, for simplicity's sake, we're going to pick two and we're going to tell you about those. But let's go ahead and list off what the five are. Vampires, ghouls, witches, Vesera suckers, and werebeasts. So even though there's five different types, they do have some common themes. They're generally described as being a woman with long, dark hair that covers her eyes. She's normally sickly pale, bloodshot eyes, and I think my most fascinating or what fascinated me the most about their description was that their feet are backwards. So that way, if you were to catch their tracks, you would be walking in the wrong direction trying to find them. And that their eyes are the wrong direction as well. So instead of coming out, they go in. So think convex, concave. So your reflection would be upside down in their eyes. Yeah. And with the introduction of Western societies in in the Philippines, you get the other aspects of uh, vampires and ghouls and and werebees, such as the holy objects, the mirrors, uh, they have no reflection. So let's pick our favorite two. So of the five, which one do you want to tell us about, Anthony? Uh, I am going to pick the were-dog. The were-dog acts like a normal were-beast from different countries. So it's a shapeshifter. It, it is the creature of the shape it takes during the day, and then it hunts at night. And one of the things that is interesting about the, the werebeast is that it takes the form of the animal that it does not really have a lot of in the Philippines, which, which makes it very scary. Uh, so let's say Russia has werebears, Africa has were-leopards, India has were-tigers, the Philippines have uh, were-dogs. And one of the things that you can tell that if it is a werebeast, of the animals that are common, which are the dog, cats, and possibly pigs, is that it has no tail. So I found that pretty pretty cool, pretty interesting. All right. And then my favorite of the five, um, although the Vistara Sucker was very enticing, um, I was really interested in the witch version of the Aswang. So they're known in that part of the lore for cursing people for kind of living on their own. It's kind of an ostracized role in society. So that's really already kind of the description that we give the Aswang. Like they live on the outskirts. They're a little bit different. Like we want to be careful of them, be wary of them. And so it really just fell in line and kind of expanded on that. So this was really another reason that if they thought someone was a witch or they thought someone was a threat to their community and they're like, oh, well, we can tie that into this thing over here. It gave them a reason to punish or exile a person. You didn't want them in your in your village, in your town, in your in your community. Then you'd be able to get rid of them in a different kind of way. Now they were specifically known for being able to turn into birds, and that is where we get the tick tick. So the tick tick itself, it's all onomatopoeia. They are calling these monsters by the sounds that they're making. And this is a, a smarter one. You'd hear tick 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 tick. And as it got quieter, it actually meant that the Aswang was getting closer to you. 
So you would be lulled into a false sense of security and safety. You'd think it'd be going away, but that meant it was about to strike. And that's why they call it the tick-tick. That's the sound it made. Yeah, but then also you have different regions and uh, different, I guess, versions. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had different uh, those nicknames for it. Yeah, the walk walk was one that we have in our story that Chris told us about. Now, Chris also told us a little bit about overall like spiritual connections growing up in the Philippines. He was mentioning that like walking through the woods, they were taught to apologize to the spirits to keep every everything happy. So there's just such a different culture when it comes to spirits and spirituality in different areas of the world. So I think it's pretty cool that it made its way here and made its home in Arizona. Now for the body splitting part. One of the ways that the Eswang travels is by splitting its body in half across its torso. It leaves its legs and its lower portion on the ground while it goes and it flies searching for prey. Chris told us that one of the ways that you could kill the Eswang was to find the legs and the bottom portion of its body and pour salt over it until it completely dissolved. And when it completely dissolved the bottom portion, the top portion would die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was this is one of the ones that had a a way to have countermeasures against it. Uh, like the other ones that we have done so far, there isn't a whole lot of this is what you do to prevent it, but this is what you do to uh kill it or ward it off. So this has a lot of those deep deep traditional value types type things attached to it so if you don't want it around then let me teach you how to destroy it which was very interesting and very cool to to read about uh but when you think about the countermeasures that that they're describing how to how to kill it how to deal with it 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 takes a lot of effort is is not just you know warning you know, holding a, <laughs> a, a, a cross. You're not like putting salt at the windowsills. Yeah, you have, to, <laughs> you have to actually do stuff and it takes effort. Um, one of the things that they talk about is uh, going on with your pouring salt on the other half. If you want to have a countermeasure on suspecting if someone is an, is an Aswang, you, you do this ritual with coconut oil. And you say prayers into it, and there's a there's a ritual to it. So you have to you have to uh, watch the coconut grow, and it has to be wet. The moon has to be right. Uh, you have to drain it a certain way. You have to throw away the the waste in the ocean or a river, and if it works, if an aswang is is close by, then the coconut oil will start to boil. And I thought that was that was pretty neat. That was pretty cool. It's funny because coconut oil at room temperature becomes liquid. So I wonder what kind of basis there would be that would cause like something like that to actually happen that would be a real world reason. But that's pretty interesting. So we touched base a little bit on the Spanish coming to the Philippines. So in 15th century, the Spanish were coming in. They actually named the islands after King Philip II. And with them, they brought a lot of culture. They brought a lot of Western Christianity. And that's where we get a lot of these little things that are coming in where there's consecrated ground. You can 
ward off or hurt Eswang with Christian relics. You can use garlic. Like these are all things that are coming from European culture being brought via the Spanish. And it comes into other things with how to repel them. We saw that white crosses would repel them. We saw salt is really common. Ginger was really common. So the people believed that the Aswang were targeting people who were going against or in an inversion of the traditional Filipino values. So if you weren't keeping right with the Filipino culture and what you grew up with in traditional values, then this thing would come and get you. Well, that makes sense when they had so many people coming in and like infiltrating their communities. That also is interesting because when you think about the uh, the Spanish coming in and then the influence of Western culture, uh, this thing this thing was around in the 16th century. Did they start having these? Hey, don't stray away from 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 who you are and our culture, or this is going to get you from day one. Or what did it take centuries for this thing to evolve the way it is now? You know what I'm saying? The viscera sucker, which we didn't talk about too much. The viscera sucker, it is taking things from people like out of their mucus and their the phlegm and the gross and the bile and all the nasty things. Um, so that's the only one that never ended up with any Christian associations and was founded. The story itself was founded long before the rest of the Aswang stories and actually goes into other Asian cultures as well. So maybe this is something that had been around for quite a while, but adapted as they do, and maybe solidified some of those roles that they wanted to make sure that they kept alive in their communities. So much so that it was instilled into everyone that they brought it when they left their own country and came to a new one. Mm -hmm. Not only were people targeted that were straying from their traditional paths, but the Aswang is known for targeting very specific groups of people. And very, very specifically, they loved pregnant women. Now, they would come in and they would feast on the mother or they would feast on the baby in utero. Now, we also see that they really preferred sick people. And one of the things that I found as a recurring theme in our research was that this was a way for people to explain miscarriages, unfortunate deaths, young deaths, deaths that couldn't be prevented by the medicine that was available at the time, because it's really difficult to grasp these things anyway or handle or mourn these things. But when it's no longer that person's fault or it's no longer this person was sick and we couldn't help them, they're like, nope, not our fault. Yeah, you blame it on the... The Aswang did Aswang. it. yeah. And I mean... Just having something to blame can make the grieving process easier. And like I said, it was a time before modern medicine. And that was what a lot of societies did. They, we blamed things that we didn't understand on things that we could explain, even if they weren't real. Right. Because things with rules are much more comforting than blind fate. But the interesting thing that I found, not that I think any of those things are, are, are fun, interesting facts. But the Aswang is known for having this very, very long tongue that works like a proboscis. So think like a butterfly's tongue unrolls to get nectar 
or maybe more accurately, like a Texas-sized mosquito would use its long nose to pierce you and suck out all your blood. That is how the Aswang's tongue works. Yeah, because it's interesting because one of the one of the characteristics of the Aswang is a vampire. And when you think about how the vampire does its thing, um, it goes contrary to what people would normally think that it would how, how it would feed, which was 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 actually really cool. I didn't think of of a, a man sized tongue doing that, and that's just really gross. <laughs> so when I was little, I didn't understand how vampires actually ate. I didn't know that in the movies they bit and then they took their teeth back out. I thought they had like reverse rattlesnake fangs where instead of like pumping venom out, they sucked the blood up through their teeth. And that's that's why there were only two holes. It- uh, yeah, that's I, <laughs> I've I seriously continued to think that until we started researching this. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know that. She would think they would have hickeys, too. You're just like sucking on the neck. Oh, right, right, right. Be two holes in a hickey. Ooh, let's not say that ever again. <laughs> um, I what I found what I found that was um that sparked my interest even further was the popularity of this thing and how it it bled into our pop culture in TV shows, movies, music, things that I didn't know they were referring to as the Aswang. And, you know, lo and behold, it's been here the entire time. Yeah, well, you were actually listing off, um, you had pulled up like IMDb and we're listing off episodes. And I completely forgot that I actually had already seen an episode of Lost Girl back when Lost Girl was coming out. And that was one of their their big baddies in one of their episodes. So it's kind of refreshing. I feel like we're seeing something that we feel is new. It's new and exciting for us, but it's really not that new at all. Like we've already become acquainted with it, but we get to see it in a whole new light now. So that's yeah. refreshing. Yeah, even on on crime shows like CSI, they have an episode where the 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 dude is trying to convince the CSI agents that it wasn't a person who killed him. It was an Aswang. So that was pretty cool. Well. So keep your eyes peeled. You may see them in a a show or a movie or a song or something like that. And you may not even have realized you've already done it. Yeah. So right now, it is time for us to rate this cryptid. And we will be using our traditional golden Nessies. So how many Nessies? I'm sorry. How many golden Nessies do you give the asshole? I am going to go against all the other ratings I've done so far, and I'm going to go five golden Nessies on this one. I was, this is more at my alley with my my background and my history of folklore and mythology and getting to really go into other cultures. Um, I thought the bear was exciting. I thought Alabama Wolf Woman was, was interesting, but this is where I geek and... Yes, I'm going to give it five stars, and I want to give a huge thank you to Chris for joining us and giving us some personal information and reading our story for us this week as well. He gets five golden Nessies, too. He gets five golden Nessies. So what do you rate the Aswang? I give the Aswang four golden Nessies. It is a wonderful, wonderful cryptid, unique 
go deep down into the the lore and the stories and the the level of of infiltration of pop culture that's just fantastic that was that's awesome and we can literally spend an hour talking about just one thing of the Aswang. like let's just talk about like uh where beasts for an hour you can do that with this thing and i and i love that there really was so much we we had to whittle this down this one there was pages upon pages upon page of 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 information on this thing and that was all and that was just awesome and i truly enjoyed that all right so we have almost made it all the way through the ace we have done alabama alaska arizona next is arkansas the natural states yes the natural state okay so i lived in arkansas for a little while and even though i lived there i thought it was the diamond state because if you look at the license plate there's a big diamond on it and you go diamond mining in arkansas which i didn't know so yeah we uh there's all sorts of stuff it's actually it's it's actually a very pretty state uh and is it true that it's illegal to mispronounce Arkansas as Arkansas. Yeah, in the state of Arkansas, it is illegal to say Arkansas. And I promise not to make fun of my friend Ray, who is from Arkansas. I absolutely will make fun of Ray at any opportunity. <laughs> We're coming for you, Ray. Yeah, be ready. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you. All right. We will see you all very, very soon. Thank you all for listening to 50 States of Terror. I am Anthony. And I'm Kaylee. And until next time, thank you so much, guys. XOXO, the is as I. Later. This week's Cryptid Encounter was written by Anthony Diaz. It was performed by our special guest, Christian Flower. 50 States of Terror is a Housecraft production. This episode was researched, written, and presented by Anthony and Kaylee Diaz. Edited and embellished by Kate Flower.